Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Good morning, MD2022. There, I got it right. I think that's the first time I've got it right so far this year. 21 days of prayer and fasting. We are on day nine. Forget not the third place. That's our subject today. Happy that you are here and wherever here is. As we gather together and just believe that God is going to be with us and doing great things in our midst. So Shauna, good to see you. Jonathan, good to see you. Good to see you Facebookers. Good to see you you YouTubers. Yeah, all this crowd. What a great group. And those who part of this and those who join in with us later in the day. And um, just happy that you are here. You make this incredibly, incredibly momentous. This is a special moment. I'm going to share that with you today. And I, I think, I think this will resonate in your heart. As many of you know, this is how we began on Morning Devotion. In uh, late summer, early fall 2019, we began to do 21 days of prayer fasting. We did a daily devotion, 7 a.m. Central on my personal Facebook page. And yeah, yeah, it's, oh, we've had a time. This has been a great time in seeing some good things happen. And we just carried on through the year. Uh, We are loosely following in these 21 days, the book on prayer, and I'll be referencing it today, probably a little more than I have thus far during these 21 days, and I I hope that you enjoy it, and I hope that you sense something amazing in our midst. I will say, too, I will say, too, that what is happening here, it's happening all over the world and other places, groups, I believe is divine. I believe it's God-ordered that the Lord is doing something special in our midst and he's making a way out of no way. So Charles, Anna, Cheryl, April, it's just good to see each and every one of you. I am um, in the book today on day nine, the power of two or three. And uh, I guess I had that on my mind when I went to sleep last night. And when I woke up this morning, there was just a verse of scripture just rolling over and over in my spirit. Have you ever had that? I just had this verse on my mind. And if you'll give me, probably I won't get to this verse until nearly the close of the devotion, if it goes as planned. Or sometimes, I don't know, I just, you know, it's like those gifts under the tree. You just want to unwrap them early. So I don't know, maybe I'll unwrap it a little earlier. But this verse was just, rolling over and over in my mind. I think it's one of the most important verses in the New Testament. I really do. Because as a church, we can never be far from this verse and remain a New Testament church. As a people, we can't get too far from this verse that's rolling in my scripture. Not Acts 2.38, although that's close. But I want to share a verse of scripture with you. But a few thoughts first. How will the history books record this event? Yes. How will it be told to children and children's children and their children? I think, like many things, it'll be forgotten. Imagine, 
Imagine that a huge illness sweeps over the world and imagine that officials recommend everyone frequently wash their hands and if you've been exposed to quarantine, wear masks and and, uh, public worship services were banned in gatherings and imagine that. Well, you say, I don't have to imagine that. We've lived through it. True, true. But imagine that there was a sickness that caused a hundred million people to die worldwide, a million or so Americans. I'm not describing what we've been living through. I'm describing something that happened a hundred years ago. The great Spanish flu pandemic of 1918. It's really how the first world war ended, not in bombs and guns, but in sickness. I, I didn't know until recently some of my own family members perished in that flu. It just simply was not talked about, was not shared from generation to generation. We need to learn lessons. Joanne, Wyvette, Kirk, we need to learn the lessons. Pass them on. You can pick up some, I mean, classic works like Pale Horse, Pale Rider, a novel, another novel, Look Homeward Angel, or another one, One of Ours, written decades ago to describe this event, a flu that lasted three years. Or read incredible books like The Great Influenza by John Barry or America's Forgotten Pandemic by Alfred Crosby. But until recently, we really didn't think about it, didn't know too much about it. Do you know what happened back then? Do you know what happened? Here's what happened. Some churches left their buildings and started holding outdoor services. This was 100 years ago. They believed it was safer outside. Some encouraged people to have services in homes. And back during those days, sermons were published in newspapers and, and they were encouraged to read the sermons out loud in their home. One San Francisco preacher a hundred years ago blamed the pandemic on the worldliness found in the church. Another denominational leader wrote that the pandemic should convince intelligent Christians to trust science rather than trusting God or tempting God to perform miracles. Some churches held services in protest. Some pastors were arrested. Some women took care of epidemic orphans, teaching them. And all of this was a century ago. But we brought no lessons from that with us. Does that sound familiar? Sue, Don, we need to get a hold of this moment. And we need to hold on and get through this and see what is happening in our moment, in our day, in our lifetime, and say, we're going to get through this together. We're going to, this morning devotion family, we're going to make it together. There's, what we've been through is nothing new. We just don't have much memory of it. We are facing what generations before us have faced us, but the lessons they learned, the context in which they learned them, we just don't have it. But consider this as well. Consider this. One of the greatest epidemics we face today is not a virus unless you consider solitude as sickness. We face an epidemic of loneliness. The first marker of this modern culture was a book I read, came out in the year 2000 called Bowling Alone. Because at the end of the Second World War and the baby boomer generation, bowling leagues formed, all sorts of other things formed. People would get together. It wasn't about the frames. wasn't about the strikes and the spares and the pins. 
It was about the fellowship. It was about the camaraderie. It was about people getting together. In Bowling Alone, that book that came out in 2000, uh, that ostensibly marked the beginning of this millennium, Robert Putnam said, we're watching a group of people, we're watching a nation become disconnected. A phrase was born, I think in 04, called the third place. The third place was neither home nor work. That's first and second place. The third place was somewhere you could get together with a group of people. Like diners, coffee shops. Those are disappearing from Western culture like those businesses along old Route 66. Just disappear. <clears throat> we need, we need one another. By the way, that was not a COVID cough. I, I, I don't think it was. I, we're doing testing at the church. Maybe I should, I don't know, go get tested. I don't know. You say, Brother Girl, that's nothing to laugh about. It really isn't. I'm sorry. The third place had common rules. It was a neutral ground. Anybody could gather. It was a leveler. It was inclusive. Didn't differentiate between people. It existed for connection, conversation. It was accessible. It was accommodating. Forget not the third place. We're thankful for our homes. We're thankful for our jobs. We need a place where we can connect. You, you, do you know in the social phenomena, sociologists would say Starbucks and similar coffee shops started to become the third place. Not home, not work, place to gather. That's the third place. But of late, they said social media has become the third place for most people to gather. Not home, not work, a place to gather. I just feel very strong that we need a place to gather. We need a place to connect. In fact, in fact, you know what I just feel like doing? Why don't you just take a moment, say something that God has done for you. Maybe someone on the morning devotion group encouraged you. Maybe you found a prayer partner. Maybe there's been a testimony of how God performed a miracle. I heard three of them this weekend involving morning devotion family people. Maybe, can you just think of one? Would you just leave it out to the side and encourage it or encourage someone who encouraged you when you were going? through? This is a third place. This is where we gather. It's not home. It's not work. It's where we gather to encourage one another, to connect with one another. Just leave that out to the side, would you? A victory report. Be sure to share this with others. I think it's going to I think it's going to help them. I was reading an article recently called The Long Slow Death of Watering Holes. Deanne Barker said that we are watch, watching people around tables, head down into their phones, absorbed in their smartphones. She said there is a third place, but it exists elsewhere. Yes. If there's a lesson to be learned from the pandemic, and I believe there are many, one is that we need frequent gathering places. I'm not talking just about Sunday services. I'm talking about places where we connect. And I'm not talking about a place where we're in the audience. I'm talking about a gathering. We don't just go to church. We are the church. We're the members of the body of Christ. And we get connected 
one with another. Then we do what the body of Christ does best. We minister to one another and to others. It's in the book on prayer that I speak about practicing the power of two or three. That's today's devotion. Earlier in the book, I read about the first and most important word to me in the Lord's Prayer. It's the first word, our. And I talked about the power of our. Our. Not I, not me, not my, not myself. Our. That's the first word. Don't ever forget it. I don't have a monopoly on God. You don't have a monopoly on God. It's not about me. and It's not about the personal pronoun. No. It's our, our heavenly father. When the disciples heard Jesus pray, you remember the occasion. One of them stepped forward, Luke 11, and said, teach us to pray. Teach us. He didn't say teach me. He said teach us. Notice the plurality. We get into this plurality, our, our. The Lord gave the abbreviated form of the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11. You can also find it in the Sermon on the Mount. Then Jesus said that we should start our prayers with the word, our, our. I wish it could just resonate, reverberate in our spirits. I wish it would marinate our hearts. And we can't make it by ourselves. We need one another. We are not only better together, we're going to survive together. We've got to have one another. Prayer is not just some private act that you get alone with God. Prayer is when we gather together and say, Our Heavenly Father, our Father, which are in. We need times. I, I believe that there are private times of prayer. But we're incomplete together. I, I, I mentioned in the book that 59 times in the New Testament, this phrase is used, one another. Paul used it all the time. The word saint is only found once in the New Testament. Saints, plural, found 61 times. Because the idea of a solitary saint, some recluse high in the Himalayas, is as foreign to apostolic thought as cupcakes and ding-dongs. I don't know, sir, that's just what came to mind right there. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe when we're looking at this thing called the Christian life, in 2022, we have entered, we have entered, I, I think in 20 years of the new millennium, we entered in all, almost a new century and another millennium. And it's important that we learn the power of being together, encouraging one another. If you have a testimony, just leave it out to the side because here's what happens when we bind together. It's like Aaron and her holding up Moses' hand. It's like Esther going to intercede before the king, but she said, I can't do this unless my people are praying together, fasting together. It's like Daniel calling his three friends together and said, We're going to need some help, folks. We need need one another. This is a changing the kingdoms that we're living in, Daniel. Recognize. We need one another. Ezra called people together and said, we're going to have to fast and pray that the king would be favorable to us. Many instances of people gathering together to pray and then just to encourage one another. I think what's suggested here, it becomes obvious in the New Testament. When you start going through the book of Acts, wow. Yeah, I, I saw that. Everett, I saw that. Cupcakes and ding-dongs. Yeah, that's probably it. While fasting, that's what you think of. You think of food. In Acts 1, they gathered together 
prayed for baptism of the Spirit. Acts 2, it happened. They were together in the upper room. Acts 3, Peter and John going together to pray. Notice the notice that they didn't do this singularly. Yeah. No solitary heroes. Acts 4, they all get together again, pray for courage. Holy Ghost falls upon them. Gene, Catherine, Greg, that's what we need. We need each other. Acts 6, they are praying and and they're praying for leaders in the church to lift the administrative load off the apostles where they can give themselves to word and prayer. Yes. Acts 8, Peter and John pray. You started getting the picture here. We just go through the book of Acts and we can say it again and again and again that it was just not one solitary figure standing alone. When Peter stood on the birthday of the church to preach, the 11 stood with him. We need one another. we got to have one another. And we can't make it without it. You, you need a third place. You need a third place. Not home, not work. A third place. I mean, keep in mind, when you go through the book of Acts, just keep this in mind. What we call the church did not appear until a couple of centuries later. Yes. Not a single event that happened in the book of Acts happened in a church house. There was no such thing. The church in Jerusalem, the day it was born, was too big for a building. What the pandemic, I think, has revealed, and it's revealed so much, is that we confuse having church with being the church. That left to our own devices, we believe that if we're divorced from a building, we no longer have our identity. And nothing, nothing could be farther from the truth. We we need to relearn the practices of the early church. It was just prior to the pandemic, I was... Everywhere I went, I was sounded like a broken record in that fall of 2019. Everybody was talking about we need the 2020 vision. I said, here's the vision you need. You need Acts 2020. Yes, Acts chapter 20, verse 20, where it says they ministered publicly and they went from house to house. The early church didn't have cathedrals. They would gather usually outdoors in a public place, first day of the week, and then through the week, whatever space was open to them, homes usually. I spoke to them and how important it is to identify places to gather outside the four walls of the church. What I had envisioned, I saw Jonathan Moss on here a moment ago. He heads our small groups. What I had envisioned was small groups, something our church, we just don't simply do. We are a church of small groups, many dozens and dozens of small groups. Here's the mantra of the early church. Go large on the weekend, go small during the week. Yet even though, when I was saying that, why I felt compelled to say that escaped me. I didn't realize the gravity of the days in front of us. No. It was those odd places, though, the last couple of years that people could gather that saw them through. It was a man in our church who, who put some sawhorses across the street in front of his house. He lived on a cul-de-sac. It sealed off the cul-de-sac. He put a fire pit out in the middle of the cul-de-sac, brought lawn chairs and food out, started playing music, and all the neighbors started bringing their chairs and food out until dozens and dozens and dozens of people would be outdoors together. You need a third place. That's a resurrection of the third place. Here's the verse that's been on my heart for 
Here, here it is. Acts 2.42. I've not been able to get away from this verse. It's the one I think that describes who the early church was and the methodology. How they worshipped. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayers. It's like the Lord is telling us, forget not the third place. You need a time for fellowship and break bread. You need a time for prayers that you get together. You don't just need the first place home. You don't just need the second place work. You need a third place. A place where you're, you're more than a person in an audience sitting in red but you're a group of people sitting in a circle. It's a space where you feel apart. Where Zane, Sharon, Margaret, you feel apart. Where Mary, you feel apart. Where you can pray for one another, talk to one another, care for one another, be with one another, simply breathe and realize we're going to get through this. I believe we need a third place where we can process what to feel deeply our losses, to weep together, to laugh together, to have fun one with another, to encourage one another, to rejoice. We got to have it. If going into the pandemic, when I thought of a third place, I literally thought of longitude, latitude, and I was thinking a coffee shop, a house, a place, I was thinking of people getting into cars, hopping on buses or trains, meeting up at a physical locale and physical places and no doubt person to person. That's so superior. But I don't think it's an either or. I think we've learned during this time when the physical place can't happen, we need a digital place where it can happen. Forget not the third I've tried to process what morning devotion means to me, what it means to my wife, what it means to my family and people I love and care about. I think it's become that third place, a place where we can hang out. One of the joys I have in traveling is when I run into people who say I'm a devotee. And, I, and it's so real what we're doing here. And uh, I, I know many of your names. I see names go by. Some of you have pictures with your names. But sometimes you have to help me connect a name with the face. Fooey, sometimes I look at myself in the mirror and say, now, who are you? One reason I encourage people to get out there, respond, say something, encourage one another. So we're going to run in together. We're going to see each other. And when you put a testimony here of what God's done for you, when you encourage somebody, Don, you're such an encourager. Oh, yes, you are. Lisa, Cindy, y'all are such encouragers. We're, we're thankful for our first place, our home, our second place, our work. But always make room to connect with the body of Christ in whatever ways you can, however, whenever, wherever. They continued steadfastly, devoted themselves, not an idle pastime, primary pursuit. And get this, it's not an either or. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. You can have it all, folks. And we can be together 
and get through this season of our lives. I need you. I need you. I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for one another as we pray for you. Because we're going to get through this. We're going to hold on to one another. We're going to make it through. Forget not the third place. Would you like, share, follow, get this word out and encourage one another? Because the day is here. You're not just going to make it by just showing up at church Sunday, no matter how much you give of yourself and how much you receive. This thing called worship is not done in isolation. It's done encouraging one another. You've got a part to play. And I hope and I pray that what we're doing here, maybe in some way, your own form, you do with others. You encourage one another. We're going to make it through together. God bless. Thank you. I went a little long today. I did that yesterday. Okay, I'm going to cut it down. Tomorrow's five minutes long. Not really. Not really. Look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Share this with one another. May the Lord be with you and bless you. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.